When this happened, you talked about it on the fan. Santana into the windup. The payoff pitch on the way. Swung out and missed. Strike three. He's done it. Johan Santana has pitched a no-hitter. When New York sports happens, talk about it here. The Fan, 1019 FM, and always live on the free Odyssey app. Poison 205. McMonagle here with you. 877-337-6666. Not sure why I did it like that. I just feel like doing it like that. All right. So, you know, we didn't get a chance to mention this yesterday, too. We were day late. Yesterday was a, a football show, mainly. But uh, Patrick Waugh, the new head coach of the Islanders, after they got rid of... Uh, Lambert, the Sheepish Lion. Do you guys remember that cartoon? Does anyone remember Lambert, the Sheepish Lion? Lambert, the Sheepish Lion, Lambert. It was like a, a, a lion who was raised by sheep, and he thinks he's a sheep until one day a predator comes to take on the, to eat the sheep, and then he becomes a lion. I don't know why. I'm the only one of my friends who remember it. Anyway, Lambert, the Sheepish Lion, yeah. Uh, so, Patrick Wap. Comes to take over. Really no uh, connection to the Islanders, but Lou Lamorello uh, goes back with him. And this is a classic Lou Lamorello move. I mean, Lou Lamorello loves to shake things up midseason and make coaching changes. Now, I mean, you go back to the firing of Trotz and moving on from Trotz to get to Lambert, which seems like uh, a disaster now. But this Island team that has been struggling lost the. Uh, you know, was it 8 out of 10 or something like that? Like, they probably needed a change. You bring in a feisty guy here, uh, obviously one with credibility and a name, that's for sure, and they win their first game with him. Not to say that means anything. He just you know, barely got his, just barely got here. But it's a move that needed to happen, and it's a move that hopefully will spark the team a little bit and – can you know get them back in the the swing of things, and I think they needed a little bit of a shakeup. I mean, I think you could see it coming the way they've you know they've blown some leads. Uh, they've blown a lot of leads this year. They lost a game you know uh, last week where this you know Matt Martin uh, you know gave away a, a puck in the center in center ice with like seven seconds left. Like they just they were playing sloppy, and they were playing uninspired it felt like a lot although I was there with the team obviously famously I was there I don't know where that not let me get the standings here on ESPN um I was there with the the team against the Kings back in was it was that January December I don't even remember when I went but um I think it was December it was before Christmas and Ledecky the owner was like Gung-ho about the team. They had a big come-from-behind win against the Kings that night. But right now they are... They have 51 points. They are nine points behind the Rangers. Uh, the same number of games played. They're behind the Devils. They're behind Carolina. They're behind Philadelphia. They are only a point up on Washington. So right now they are out of the postseason. And they need a shake-up. And so hopefully this is the kind of guy, a feistiness, you know, the opposite of... You know, we've seen that... Forever in in coaching ranks, right? You have you have a coach who's a, a fire, 
fiery guy screaming all over the place. The next hire is more of a, a calm demeanor uh, kind of guy, and then vice versa. Someone like Lambert or someone like, I don't know, Joe Torrey or someone like who's a little bit more laid back and you come in with a feisty, a feisty guy uh, looking to shake things up, kind of a Tortorella type guy. I mean, we it's, it's been, you know, famous. He's fighting, practically knocking down the glass in between the benches. I mean, this is a guy who is going to bring a hard-nosed, hard-fought nature to this team, which could be something that sparks them. And really, since that, since that back-to-back Eastern Conference run the Islanders had, They've kind of not been the same team. Now, whether it was the COVID situation where they, you know, were penalized um, by the NHL and they missed all those games, or they started off with a bunch of road games that year, I believe, like that the year after that second Eastern Conference run, and they really had the poor year. But it's just there's been something missing. And it's certainly in the coaching ranks. I mean, you go back to letting go of Trotz, who changed who they were instantly. I mean, that immediately the Islanders were a different team when Barry came to them. And so to move on from him was puzzling and it's unfortunate. And since then the team has not been the same. And so now they're going to bring in a guy who's a little feisty, has a name that everyone can respect. One of the great goaltenders in the history of the sport and someone who hopefully is going to bring an edge to this team. And we'll see how it goes, but they're right there. The devils had a big win Tonight against the the last night, excuse me, against the Vegas Knights in overtime, and the Rangers won their last game against the Ducks. Uh, and really, the Rangers are the conversation for me because right now they're the best team of the three, and they're in first place in their in the division, and they've been one of the better hockey teams uh, really in the sport all year. Uh, but I still have concerns about them as they move forward. As we talk about them as one of the better teams. Uh, in hockey and the team that hopefully can bring a championship to this city. And God knows we need one. But the Rangers, hopefully, it sounds like um, they need some depth, first of all. They need some more scoring from the from the the, the top the bottom lines. They really haven't gotten much. Uh, the goaltending, again, Igor, has been shaky for me. He gives up a goal real quick. They fall behind 2-0 in that uh, Anaheim game comeback. And uh, still, I mean, listen, if they don't get two power play goals, they don't win. Like that's the like they need a they need at least a power play goal. They need probably two if they're going to win these games. That's pretty much how it feels. Now the power play has been good enough to get that for them, but for the most part, if they don't score on the power play, they're not winning. Like that's how it feels right now. They need a little bit more depth, and hopefully, Philip Beadle uh, is coming back. I guess he's on his way back to New York after yet another concussion, and hopefully, you know, he can work his way back into the lineup. Uh, but I, as good as they've been, I have my concerns about this team. I have my concerns. Capococco back in the lineup. He's slowly working his way back in, uh, getting you know back into groove with the team. But like right now, if it's not that top line, if it's not the top couple lines, if it's not Kreider in front of the net, I mean, or on the power play, they don't score. And it's been good enough for the whole year. They've had a dominant enough power play, but I'm concerned that when it's five on five, or you know, if in the postseason where the 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 scoring can dry up sometimes that the way they've played and the inability to get any kind of offense going five and five and the way the goaltender played is starting to make me nervous, but they rallied back after being down two Oh, and we'll see how the rest of the season plays out for the New York Rangers, for the Islanders and their new coach and for the devils. Why not? Eight, seven, seven, three, three, seven, 66,
66. I've talked about the Knicks, obviously, um, and the injury to Hartenstein. I guess he's not ruled out yet. I expect him not to play, quite honestly. I'd be very surprised if we see him actually play in this game against the, the Nets tonight. And, you know, they you heard in the cut there from the coach, they have some they have Sims uh as a backup. Uh they 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 I, I still don't like their depth there. I would love to go add a depth piece. Now the thing is is that you got Mitchell Robinson coming back, at least they assume, uh later in the season. So when it comes, you know, down the stretch and into the postseason, you you feel like you might have more depth coming back to the team where I would be more interested in getting that other guard piece. Because you look at the team right now, I mean, you've seen it from me, like we've seen from Deuce McBride initially after the trade and the quickly uh, moving on to uh, Toronto, which we saw them come back to the Garden. That was a good scene. They had, uh, the, the the crowd was great with them. They they gave them the uh, the much uh, ballyhooed uh, video, which you know now when you come back, that's like a big thing. You got to have a video. They don't have a video. How do you give this guy a tribute video? I think both guys deserve tribute videos. They were drafted by the Knicks. They were here. They were beloved uh, guys. You know. I had no problem giving both uh, Barrett and Quickly videos, but they came in early on an ugly kind of game, and then the second half pulled away and beat Toronto up pretty good. And Brunson's still playing with like a minute and a half left. I, you know, we're going to have to ease his minutes. And I know that's not Thibodeau's style, but like Brunson and Randall, I've talked about this a lot, they can't continue to play the minutes they're playing. Like You would think they'd have to slow down at some point. That's why I'm looking for depth on this team. That's why we're, we're, we're done. We're trying to get the superstar. I'm looking for depth, legitimate good depth, whether it's Brogdon as a name thrown around a lot at the guard position because we've seen McBride initially okay. You know, Grimes hasn't been hitting shots either. I'm, I'm, I'm concerned about him, but like, Deuce, especially in this, if you watch that Toronto game, like there is still there is way too much dribble in his game. Like he's at the top of the key, going through his legs and losing the basketball. Like I, I don't, I don't love the team when he's out on the. And you've seen a couple turnovers, boom! There, you got to bring back in, got to bring back in Brunson. Like I, I just, I don't like the feel of the team right now. It felt much better with quick, quickly kind of running that second team. They need to find someone to run that second team. I do not. I understand he's not getting a lot of minutes, and you want to see if you can give him a little bit more run. But I just, I just don't have the faith in either of them. I'm, I would be looking for guard depth. Like Brian Brogdon, uh, Jackson from Houston, maybe someone. You gotta, uh, you gotta bring in someone. I mean, you know, obviously, um, uh, what's his name? Chicago has been brought up a lot. Like there are different options here, uh, Rozier. There's different options here to bring in, but you got to do something. Uh, you got to bring because this is the year now. I'm all in. The Knicks are all in right now. I I feel as good about this team and the way they play basketball. They are fun to watch play basketball. You watch that Toronto game in the second half. They are moving the ball around. They are they're rebounding. They're hustling. They're playing defense. Ananobi is just Ananobi has just been great. I mean, he's just been great. I mean, early on in that game, he was keeping the minute. He was he was taking a lot of the shots. I think he was having fun playing against his former team. Uh, and ultimately, the way he's able to shoot from the corner, in particular, the way he's able to play defense and guard the perimeter and be a you know and and be a a, a perimeter defender has been just amazing. Um, the the instant way that it's helped the offense move the ball. Randall and Brunson both up assists are up since the trade. Uh, Ananobi's been a plus minus just. God, 
Every 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 time you look at the numbers, he's he's the best plus minus on the team. Like it's just, I love watching him play basketball right now. I'm I'm more locked in and more into Nick basketball than I've been in a long time. Even through the winning of of the of the last couple of years, even going back to, um, you know, even going back to um, Mello and the and the, the the 2013 team. Like this team is fun to watch. Brunson's an absolute stud. Randall's been playing great. And I really, listen, the Hartenstein injury, we're going to see what it is. It hasn't been ruled out necessarily for tonight against the against the Nets, but I, I don't expect him to play. And I don't know how long the injury will linger. But I don't, I know Thibodeau told you he loves the depth. I don't. I don't love the depth almost at all on this team right now. I love the starting five. It works so much better together. I, I think they need to go out there and make sure they can add some depth pieces. Uh, Dan and Bayside, what's up, Dan? You're on the fan. Hey, how are you? Good. How are you, buddy? Good, man. Uh, I can't agree with you more about Brunson and the Knicks. They need someone that's going to back him up when he has time to get out. They're going to run him to the ground. Yeah, he's he's playing too many minutes. He's playing he's playing 38, 39 minutes a game. Like it's just too much. I mean, it just resembles uh, Derrick Rose when in Chicago. You know, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Rated him until he got hurt. Yeah, I mean, he that was you know he he was definitely he played a lot of minutes, no doubt about it. Um, uh, and right now, it's, it's there's I'm concerned about the 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 depth at the guard position for them. I'm trying to see how many he plays, how many minutes he plays here. Uh, Brunson is averaging. Let me see how many minutes he's averaging. Uh, Brunson is averaging uh, 36, 35.8 minutes. You'd like to cut that down to 32-33. You probably would, uh, especially, you know, coming off last year. A lot of the minutes. Randall's been playing tons of minutes forever. But, I mean, if you look at, like, but even the, the, the bench for right now, I don't, I don't like McBride and Grimes right now as, as the backup. And, and then even, you know, at the, at the center position, or so, you know, uh, Achua, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it. I don't know where they're going to be right now. Uh, Sims and Achua kind of you know be the depth of this team uh, for Hartenstein until Mitchell Robinson comes back and if Mitchell Robinson comes back. But yes, they got to find a way to get Brunson off the floor a little bit more. And right now, Miles uh, McBride early on showed some glimpses, but since then, like he's had a couple of bad games in a row here. I just I don't like the way the second unit runs with with McBride. Hello. Okay, Dan. Thank you very much. No, I agree with you. You got to get him off the floor. He's playing a lot of minutes. He's playing a lot of minutes. The other night, I'm watching the game. They're up 26 points. And now this has been Tibbs, and he just mentioned it with going back to Rose in Chicago. This is or um, Noah in Chicago. Like this has been Tibbs' issue, right? And he had a problem in Minnesota with it a little bit. The players didn't love it. Like he's he plays guy. He plays a ton of minutes to these guys. I mean, they're up 26 points. They're up 26 points to the Raptors who are trading away their players. The Raptors aren't coming back. They're up 26 points, and Brunson's on the court with 90 seconds left in the game. With less than two minutes. Get him off the floor. He should have been off the floor with five minutes left. Easy. Like, that's it. They're going to have to figure out a way to get Brunson off the floor a little bit. They're going to have to figure out a way to get. They need right now, especially with the backup, like, they can't afford it. They, this is that starting five is the team. 
you know, obviously Hart's a big part of it, and Grimes and McBride have played, and at times have shown a little bit. Grimes, you know, shoots the basketball pretty well, but he's a spot shooter who doesn't do much else. You you need you need a better option there. You know, Brogdon and Portland would be the perfect guy, someone like that to come in, run that second unit, figure out a way to go get him. I saw SMY and uh, they were talking about Dinwiddie. I guess I'd, I'd like Dinwiddie better than the options they have currently. I don't know what I would give up for Dinwiddie, but I mean that's just kind of brought up because they're playing the Nets. Although it's not, a, I mean, has is there less of an in, inner city rivalry? in any of our sports than Nets, Knicks. I'm sorry. I just don't feel it at all. I don't feel it at all. I mean, right now the Nets have been awful. But even, I mean, maybe for the brief moment that they had the the big three there. But even then, the Nets, right now, I think the Knicks have won the last three. Before that, the Nets have won how many in a row? Nine. Like, they're never really good at the same time. You have to go back years. The Knicks haven't really been good forever. The Nets haven't been good forever. And ultimately, I don't think anyone cares. Namely because the fan base for the Nets just isn't big enough. Like the idea that this is some rivalry, by far. I cannot think of two teams in this city that is less of a rivalry than Knicks-Nets. Less juice about a game, less interest in a rivalry. Like honestly, what other... Now you want to talk about just just in general the, the hockey being less of a draw, so Islanders-Devils? Even that I would feel more juicy if I'm an Islanders or Devils fan about that rivalry. Like, Knicks Nets just doesn't do it for me at all. 877-337-6666. McMonigle here with you on the fan. Maybe a little bit more baseball when we get back. There's been a narrative about the Yankees in the starting pitching department that I don't buy into. And we'll have to talk about that, as well as there's a current baseball player who hates baseball, and it bothers me. Call us, 877-337-6666. Powered by Paramount+. Plus. Stream the NFL on CBS live on Paramount+. Plus. All right. 228, McMonagle here with you on the fan. 877-337-6666. Uh, let's talk a little Yankees baseball because there's a small little narrative that's been out there that I want to just put to bed. Just, I mean, I'm just, you know, let's just put it into it. The Yankees are done acquiring starting pitching. They're done. They're not getting a big-time starting pitcher. I don't think they're going to be able to trade for one. I think Brian Cashman has made it pretty clear. And the one thing that's still out there, for whatever reason, that's that's been reemerged on Yankee Twitter. So I don't know if many of you are aware of it, but apparently there really is no. I mean, as we're seeing, there is no free agent market right now. I don't know what's going on. I don't know why no one is signing. There's nothing going on. But in specific, Blake Snell. Well, two things. I want to talk about both starting pitchers, Blake Snell and Montgomery again. But Blake Snell. Blake Snell obviously is, I would I would probably say, the, the top free agent pitcher available at the moment, coming off a Cy Young victory, multiple Cy Young award winner. And the news out there is that the Yankees offered him a six-year, $150 million contract. And the other news with that is that that's the only contract offer, the only firm contract offer that he's been given, period. That there is not another team, while they're in discussions, there has not been another team that has given Blake Snell 
any kind of offer at all. So that the the Yankees' six-year, $150 million offer is the only offer that's been put on the table. And because of that, because of that, people have the misguided belief that that somehow indicates that he could work his way back to the Yankees. Nothing could be further from the truth. The Yankees moved on. The Yankees made him an offer of apparently, if you believe it, which I I suppose I do, six years, $150 million. He wants more, obviously, or he would have said yes. So he wants more. The minute he said no, the Yankees told themselves, and Steinbrenner probably told Cash, well, that's it. I'm not giving him another dollar. So let's pivot to the guy apparently in Marcus Stroman, which uh, Brian Cashman said in an interview on MLB Network, or MLB Radio, excuse me, with uh, Jim Bowden, said that is the, the first pitcher they had contact with after Yamamoto went to the Dodgers was Stroman. That right after that, they contacted him. They were talking with his agents, and that he went, that Boone went to Stroman's house to meet with him. So they were on Stroman early on. No one had word of that. Before they made that offer to Snell, before anything, they were on with Stroman. They went to his house and talked to him because they believe. And here's the main reason they signed him, I'm starting to think. One, the bargain deal that they got in their minds. And and to be fair, I, I do think it's a very good contract. But for whatever reason, right, for the, some of the same reasons that we're all concerned he works in New York, I think the Yankees are actually pretty confident that he will work in New York. I think that's one of the major things. I think when they met with him because they believe that. One, he's a, he was one of the better pitchers in the National League last year, Stroman, and at, at least in the first half. And he's been a career mid-three ERA type pitcher, and they believe that will continue. But more than that, for whatever reason, they believe he can work in New York. He pitched for the Mets already, and that's a different animal a little bit, especially everything that's gone on, and particularly you know, making comments about Brian Cashman, going at it with Yankee fans in particular, and all that. But I think once they made that one offer, they convinced Hal to make a $150 million offer to Snell. And the minute that was turned down, they decided to jump on Stroman because they believe now they're once Snell said no, they were going in the take a chance to steal one of my favorite quotes. They were going to the take a chance section of their offseason and the take a chance section of their starting rotation. And when it comes to take a chance with the New York Yankees, something they have to factor in that hardly any other team has to if any other team has to, the can he make it here part of the equation. And so I think once Snell said no, they went to a guy who they believe that's answered already in the affirmative, and they got a contract that they believe is a bargain. So that's why it happened so quickly, because this thing had been linked up for a while. They had talked to him, and they had the belief that he was their guy in the take-a-chance section of their offseason. And once Yamamoto went down, they checked in on him, 
And then once Snell said no, they pulled the trigger and they went and got what they believe is the surest thing on the free agent market to give them a quality pitcher who will perform here. I That's 100% it. But the, the idea that I want to really disprove here and that a lot of Yankee Twitter and different people hit me up and somehow send me this article that that's the only contract Snell got. The idea that Snell only got a contract from the Yankees so far means absolutely nothing. That contract is off the... I would imagine that offer is off the table. Even if it wasn't, he's not going to take it. I think he's eventually going to get better. I don't know when. But the Yankees are done. The Yankees made that offer. If he said yes, he would have been a Yankee. If he said no, they went and got Stroman. It happened in like 36 hours. So the idea that they're the only team to make an offer does not indicate anything. That's over. And the Yankees, I'm sorry to anyone who doesn't want to believe it, and I'm as positive as anyone. You know me. I'm Mr. Brian Cashman. This offseason is now underwhelming. We'll see what they want to do with the, the back end of the bullpen. You know, it sounds like Hector Neris now would be willing to take a one-year deal in the 12 or uh, 10 or $11 million range. I, I guess I'm all in for any one-year contract. That's how I feel about the Yankees in 2024. If you're willing to take a one-year deal, I'll overpay you. I'm all in on this year. I don't care about the luxury tax. They're probably going to go over it anyway. I don't care. I'm not going to pay you big money and then have you on the books for big money. But for one year, this next year, I'll pay a reliever over to to, to have him take a one-year contract. And as Hader goes to uh, the Astros, which I'm, I'm not sure if I even... When that happened, if I had a chance to talk about that on air. So obviously, Hayter, uh, all the talk about and speculation about Hayter signing with the Yankees, he signs with the Astros to add to that bullpen that I believe that, that led the American League in strikeouts or at least K per nine last year only gets better. But ultimately, I had no problem with the Yankees not signing that contract. I do not want to give him a $100 million contract when, honestly, you look at it, and I know you're going to call me crazy. They have a reliever already who's almost as good. Not as consistent and certainly not as big-named. But if you look at the numbers, just the flat-out numbers over the last two years, you can make a case Clay, Clay Holmes is every bit as good a reliever. You can make a case that Clay Holmes is every, every bit as good as a reliever. I don't want to give $100 million to a guy who I feel it's probably a year late. And especially with relievers, that thing, that could fall apart quickly. And while I'm all in for 24, I don't want to give out $100 million contracts to relievers that won't be good in a couple years. Like I, I'm okay with the, the Yankees' bullpen. That's that's their specialty of building bullpens. I'm confident that Cash and company will find another arm or two that can go in there and surprise people. And whether they're going to want to go pay for a Neris or they got to bring back Wandy Peralta, which I hope they do, that's it. That's the rest of your Yankee offseason. So for those of you who are like me, who had the Yamasoto offseason in their mind, and then even after they lost out on Yamamoto, believed that they would be in the market for one of these top starting pitchers, whether it be in free agency for Montgomery and Snell, or whether it be via trade for Bieber or Burns or, I guess, Lazardo. I don't think any of that is happening. I guess the, the, best possi- the only possibility is Bieber. Because I don't know if you saw from Mike Chernoff, the GM of the 
uh, Cleveland Guardians and son of former uh, WFAN program director Mark Chernoff, he said, and I don't know if you caught this, but he has the exact same offseason plan as the Mets where he wants to let the young kids play. So that should make you feel good, Mets fans. You guys have the exact same offseason plan as the Cleveland Guardians. Sounds good. You guys are roughly the same thing, right? I mean, you guys have pretty much the same ability to add payroll and acquire assets. It's pretty much the same. You and the Guardians, that's, you know, makes sense. You guys should both have the same thing. You need to be patient, and you need to let the young players play to see what you have. The Mets and the Guardians. Finding out what their youth is. I'm I'm all for it. Bravo. You'll both probably have the same kind of season, too, where you're okay but not good. But So there's a chance they could move on from Bieber to try and get younger pieces here if they believe they can't sign him. But I think both teams, I think everyone's holding on and waiting for, especially now with the market the way it is, they're going to wait. And hopefully they build some more um, uh, value come the trade deadline of the regular season when they're hoping they can get teams who see the, the end of the tunnel and that they're in a playoff picture and that they can absolutely bolster a team for a playoff run. So unfortunately, that's where it is with the Yankees. I was the first, I'm the first one to admit it. This is an underwhelming, disappointing offseason from the New York Yankees. I am not satisfied. I think they're better. I'm excited for opening day. I'm not furious at this offseason, but it's not what I had hoped. And it's not, frankly, it's not good enough. Because now you add, you put Hader in, you put Hader in that um, Astros bullpen. You can't tell me you are better than the Astros. You can't tell me you're better than the Orioles. You can't tell me, although I think they are. You can't tell me they're better than the Texas Rangers. You can't tell me that they are the cream of the crop, best team in the American League. And you know what? Call me greedy, and I've seen that a lot, you greedy Yankee fans. Yeah, when you get Juan Soto and you make it about one year, I was greedy. And I wanted to go out there and make sure that's what they were this year, where they were the cream of the crop of the American League. They were the best team. Now, hopefully... They still may very well be. I don't know. This team, as presently constituted, has a chance to be that. But going into the season, I don't believe they are. And I don't have supreme confidence that they can be. They're a winning team. They're a playoff team. And hell, I'll be the first one to tell you it's a crapshoot. The Yankees, as presently constituted, are good enough to win the World Series. I firmly believe that. But they're not. It, I don't feel as good about it as I wanted to. They needed to do more. And I don't understand why they're stopping short. But they are. That's it. That's your rotation. Maybe add another bullpen piece or two. But that's it. The Yankees are done. And don't buy into any other narrative. Don't read a story that says the Yankees are the only team to to offer Snell a contract and, and think that means they're the only ones interested and eventually Snell will come back to them. No. That is not going to happen. Blake Snell will not be a Yankee. Montgomery will not be a Yankee. And I got another article sent my way, again, from Brian Cashman Blows on Twitter. I'm sorry. If Montgomery holds a grudge and doesn't want to come back to the Yankees, who needs him? If you think that makes me feel bad about how Brian Cashman goes about business, you're wrong. He made a trade. 
He made a trade for a pitcher that doesn't exist anymore. Montgomery's better now. He got better while he was away. And you might want to take that as some sort of indictment on the Yankee farm system or developing system. I don't. It comes and goes. Some pitchers get better when they when they come here. Some pitchers get worse when they leave. Some pitchers get better when they leave and get worse when they come here. That's that's how it goes. It happened. There are plenty of pitchers and plenty of players who came here and got better under the tutelage of the New York Yankees and specifically Matt Blake. Plenty. Montgomery is one of those guys who went the other way. So we don't even know if he would have become the pitcher he became. And they traded him for a guy who won them the Cleveland series in the playoffs that year. Plain and simple. That's it. Ultimately, the better player is certainly Montgomery. No question about it. They traded away the better player and got the lesser player back. But overall, they did it to bolster a team and try and win a championship. And he gave them a better chance of that than Montgomery. And then Montgomery, they sent him. I know I, I saw the cut where Odell Beckham said that the Giants sent him to Cleveland so he can go to go die or something. I don't know. He, they send me to Cleveland to go die. They sent Montgomery to St. Louis. It's one of the better run franchises in the sport. And he worked his way to Texas where he won a World Series. And if he's going to harbor ill will from the New York Yankees and Brian Cashman for trading him in this business, then he can go forget about it. He can go take a walk. Go pitch somewhere else, Monty. I really don't care. I'd love him. I wish the Yankees the Yankees aren't anymore in the market for him. But I, for, I, I, and I don't even believe it. I don't even believe that he's he's so mad he wouldn't come back to the Yankees. He's, I think that's absolute nonsense. If he told anybody that, I think he's full of it. And ultimately, I think it's a bunch of assumptions from people in the media. Because I'm telling you right now, there's no reason for him to hold a grudge. None. 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 Now, if everything being equal, he'd rather go back to Texas. I get that. He just won a championship there. He likes the the program there better than he liked the Yankee program. All fair. But no, I'm not coming back to you because you traded me. And then you and then you made it seem like you, you were better off because of it. Well, that's why we made the trade. Do you really need to say we made do you, is it is it extra insult to say, yeah, we think we got better with the trade? Who makes a trade to get worse? The Yankees had the best record in baseball. They made a trade to bolster their playoff position. That inherently says out loud to anyone who's smart enough that, yeah, we made this trade because we feel it makes us a better playoff team. That's that's what the trade, that's what the purpose of the trade was for. When you trade to acquire players at the deadline, when you have the best record in baseball, that's why you make the trade. You make the trade to make yourself a better postseason team. So if Montgomery's going to get all you know bent out of shape that they traded him, Bye. You won a championship. You got the last laugh, buddy. Enjoy yourself. Enjoy it while it's last because the dynasty is about to restart. Mike and Merrick, what's up, Mike? What's up? How are you, buddy? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing great on this glorious Tuesday morning. I'm feeling really, really good. That's great. I can't wait to put the New York Rangers. Yeah. What's What's going on? Why are we losing? Well, I don't know. Um, they haven't. They didn't lose the last game, though. They've. Uh, they hopefully have uh, turned the corner here. But yeah, they haven't played their best hockey for a while. They got off to a really rip roaring start, and now over the last, uh, let's just go back to that losing streak to really be unfair about it. One, two, three, four, 
They are six and three. They are three and six over their last nine. So and and four and six over their last ten. So yeah, they have not played their best hockey. Um, they did come back and beat the Ducks after being falling behind two nothing. They got the shot. They got the Sharks tonight at ten thirty. I love West Coast sports. I mean, it, I, I got to work now, so it's not the same as it used to be. But I love West Coast. Is it is it a ten thirty game tonight? Yes, ten thirty game tonight. That's what I do. They're playing the Sharks tonight at ten thirty. Playing the Sharks, right? Okay. Yep. Ten thirty. So listen, they haven't they haven't played that well defensively. They're go they the during the losing streak of the the four game losing streak, their power play went cold. And if you watch the Rangers right now, unfortunately, if they don't score a power play goal or even two, they're not going to win the game. They need they need to score on their power play. Now they've been able to do it, but that's what scares me about the team right now. Five on five is a is an issue. The depth of the team is an issue, and the goaltender is a little bit of an issue. But the best part is I love the late-night games. I'm so do I. Only- I'm a big fan of it. Now, i got to come into work, so my life has changed. But there was nothing better than, like, in my, like earlier, like a year ago. A year ago this time, if I could, you know, watch the Knicks at 7, and then the Rangers are on at 10.30, and everybody else is in bed, I'm downstairs quiet, watching a 10.30 Ranger game, that's the best. I love it. Because the... The late game goes quicker. You think they go quicker? They go quicker because... You fall asleep? No, I'm... <laughs> they go quicker because you sleep wide, No, no, I'm wide awake. You're wide awake? Okay, so what makes them go quicker then? Because they go first period. First period ends at 11, at 11 o'clock. Right. Second period is over 11.30. Third period starts at 12. Doesn't get better than that. I agree, Mike, and thank you very much. I appreciate the call. I'm not sure what made that quicker than if the game started at 7, but if you say so, I like the idea of just being all by myself. All by myself. No one was looking. I was thinking of you. That album is 30 years old. That's the secret song on the Dookie album. If you wait till the very end, you get that weird... um, that weird song. I, I was yeah, I was all by myself. All by myself. No one was looking. I was thinking of you. Um, but yes. I love being by myself downstairs. You get the you get the I'm going to bed, honey. Okay, give me good night. I'll I'll be up there in a few. Yeah, don't worry about it. And that's when the party starts. That's when I really branch out on the couch. I have no problem scratching wherever needs scratching. I'm in my element, all alone, kids are asleep, wife's upstairs in bed, the lights are down low, I'm watching some late night rangers, some west coast rangers out in Edmonton, out out in San Jose, watching the Yankees out in Oakland, beating up on the A's, love it, watching the Knicks out there taking on the Clippers, like I love west coast games baby, that's my favorite, Paul Manhattan, what's up Paul? Hey, Paul. Yes. Hi. Oh, am I on? I believe so. Let me check. Hold on. Chris, is Paul yeah, okay. on? Hold on. Just one second, Paul. Uh, Chris, is Paul on the air? Yes. Yes, he is. Okay. Yeah, you're on, Paul. What's up? Take your time. Am I on? If I'm on, oh. Okay. Hold on. Just one second, Paul. Yeah, sure. Take your okay, time. Okay. Yeah, hold on. I'm just going to check with Chris. Take your time. No problem. 
All right, Paul is on the fan. Paul Manhattan, what's up, Paul? How are you? Oh, Mr. C. Yes. Great to Some hear people you. call me Mr. C. How are you? Well, you know, that's my new nickname for you. It works. I had an, an art teacher named Mr. C. Liked him very much. Oh, is that correct? Yes. Yeah, anyway, Chris. Yes. I, I listen to you every single evening. Well, thank you for that. Without fail. And I actually, like, you know, just have you on the... Uh, you know, I'm an insomniac, so whatever. Oh, so you're up all night? <laughs> you know, you... Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm up early, up all night, same thing. I got you. <laughs> At I any s- rate... Yeah, what, what would you I like wanted, to talk my about? My question Paul? was... My, my question was... Yes, your question was... Uh, well, I'm... I'm uh, I think Detroit is going to go all the way. Yeah, there you got to. What you do finally you think? Got uh, no, I think they're going to run into a buzzsaw that is the San Francisco 49ers. Yeah, as long by as, San Francisco. As long as, there's, as long as Debo plays, that's the one. If Debo doesn't play, here's the thing. There are two things that yeah, could yeah, happen. Go ahead. Let me, let me, let me listen. Okay. I, I want to hear your, advice, your uh, response. Okay. Well, hang in there and let me. I'll tell you right now, Paul. Yeah, I have a lot of patience. I'm sure I'm sure you do. Otherwise, you'll never be a doctor. That's what my father always told you know, me. Well, I'm a retired carpenter. Okay. Uh, 70 years in all of New York City. Oh, I got you. Yeah. Well, retired, my, yeah. Union, retired union carpenter, so let me listen. Oh, so you probably got a great pension. All right. Um, but, yeah, so, so my father would always say, if you don't have patience, you'll never be a doctor. Anyway, that joke kind of missed Yeah, yeah I know. I know that joke. Hey, yeah, anyway, you got continue. it. You got, he also say, don't let your meatloaf. I never understood that one. Anywho's, uh, yeah, yes. Yeah, that's a goofy. That was yeah, a that's goofy a, that's a good, he also, Another What was another a dadism? My father used to always say, when you'd ask him a question, he'd say, what are you, writing a book? Leave out a chapter and call it a mystery. That was a big one of his. <laughs> right, right, um, right. That, is, that also. Anyway, continue. Oh, please. Let me listen, Chris. Sure, absolutely. Let me, let me speak, and you can listen. That's how we can work this dynamic between me and you, Paul. All right. I think that there are two <laughs> elements uh, for both these teams that completely change who they are. One is for certain, and one we'll see. The 49ers are a different team without Debo. They don't play as well. The you saw the offense completely come to a halt at times until that last drive of the game uh, against Green Bay. Uh, I don't. Th- I think he's as as important as McCaffrey is, and he's the most important. Debo Samuel is someone who does a million different things for them. He's he's so integral in the yes, offense. Yes, yes, yes. And if I that, agree. okay. Well, and thank you, yes. Paul. And you'll you can listen through your phone. Thank you so much. Thank you for the call. Um. And he's so important for them. And Ayuk opens; it gets opened up by the idea. Ayuk is not a number one wide receiver; he's a number two wide receiver. But if he has the defense running all over the place, trying to figure out what Debo Samuel is going to do, whether he's going to run an end around, whether he's going to take it out of the backfield, whether he's going to, you know, run every route in the route tree, like he's a dynamic, uh, you know, jack of all trades, unbelievable player. And without him, the 49ers aren't the same. So if he doesn't play, they aren't the same. So we'll see. But the one thing I know for sure is that the Lions are not the same out of that building. I do not trust the Lions on the road, and I think that this 49er team, and particularly the quarterback, got their bad game out of the system while winning. I think they that there is no way that Brock Purdy is as bad as he was against Green Bay, and he still showed enough gumption and enough life to lead the drive at the end of the game to win it. Now, did he make any great plays? No. Was there a lot of checkdowns? Yes. Was it still the... Little Ed Coleman here on the fan? Was it, you know, did he do a lot? No. Did he make great plays? No. Uh, but was it within their offense and the checkdowns and different things? Yes, yes, it was. 
Um, so that's what they do. And he couldn't do it all game, and he found a way to do it at the end of the game, which does speak to his ability uh, to be a winner and to come through in the big moments and someone you can still trust despite the fact he was awful early on in the game. And we'll see what the weather brings, but I just don't trust I don't trust the Lions outside that building. I just don't. And quite honestly, I think they're going to be able to get home uh, with the front four against the Lions a little bit more. And this pass attack from the 49ers, this Lions team has had, you know, bad, you know, bad performances. Um whether it's Green Bay on Thanksgiving Day, threw the ball over them. I believe, I think the Panthers scored 30 points on, on it. Yeah, I mean, like, there have been times where the Lions really, that that they you can throw on them. And I expect, as long as Debo's in the game, I have a feeling the Niners got their scare out of the way, and they are going to absolutely destroy the Lions. But I thought they were going to destroy Green Bay. So what, what the hell do I know? But my feeling is that Green Bay, that the Lions have won their two games at home, They've given their fans everything they could have asked for and more. They are poised to continue to be and in a good spot to be one of the better teams in the NFC moving forward. But I do not think they are ready to win this game. And I think the idea that it was a tight game against Green Bay plays in San Francisco's favor. If San Francisco won that game 35-10, I'd feel differently about this Lions game. The idea that they were able to make it through, they got their scared, they got their butterflies out, they're playing their second game at home here. Purdy can't be as bad as he was, and as long as Debo's healthy, which, again, that's the factor for me. If Debo's not healthy, I wonder how much the line moves. I'll be curious. Right now, they're a seven-point favorite. If Debo gets uh, ruled out of this game, I'm curious how much uh, a wide receiver, and one even as talented as him and as important to a team as him, I wonder how much that line moves. I wonder if it moves at all, if it moves a point, whether it moves a point and a half. I could see it moving as much as two points. I could see if Debo's ruled out, this becoming a five-point game. So that's why, for me, I'm not touching it until I know what Debo is. That's a game-time decision on betting the Niners. 877-337-6666. But unfortunately, yes, I've seen, I think we've seen the end of the, of, of the Lions. And totally honest with you, I'm rooting very hard for San Francisco because I'm tired of Kansas City. And if Kansas City were to ever squeak its way past Baltimore, I don't think the Lions can win that game. I know they beat them the first game of the year. I don't think I, I can't see them winning in the Super Bowl. I want the best option to beat the, the Chiefs if they make it. I can't have the Chiefs win another Super Bowl. I'm tired of them. Tired. 877-337-6666. Plus, you know what's going to happen. They're going to win the Super Bowl. Confetti's going to come down, and Kelsey's going to propose to Taylor Swift right there on the field. You know what's going to happen. I'm telling you right now. He will put out. He will pull out a ring, and he will propose as the confetti's falling, as they've won a championship, and then he will announce his retirement. And that will be the last time we ever see Travis Kelsey on the field. Will be on his knee proposing to to Taylor Swift. I I mark my words. That's a lock. If the Chiefs win the Super Bowl, Kelsey proposes and retires, and then he joins the the he joins her tour as a backup dancer. <laughs> 